1: Now, here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. It's
0: mailbag time. Welcome in to Fantasy Baseball Today. On Saturday, March 13th, Frank Sample joined by Scott White. Hope Chris is doing all right. The craziest thing happened to him, Scott. Chris cracked his tooth while eating steak. He had to go to the dentist and get a crown immediately, so I hope he's feeling all right. It's crazy, right, man?
2: That is crazy. Did... Yeah, that's a tough steak.
0: Yeah, it's pretty tough, man. I mean, how do you prefer your steak, Scott? Are your steak? you like steak?
2: Yeah, I like steak. Um, I'll I'll make people angry if I say how I prefer my (laughs) steak. I'm I'm not going to say I prefer a well-done. I I prefer a medium, but like too much pink is off-putting to me.
0: No, I'm I'm with you. Medium well. I'll say it. Loud and proud. Medium well. We're going to get some feedback for that 100%, but I'm here for it. Uh, I'm just kidding. None of that happened to Chris. I just wanted to... uh, I wanted to shed some light on Byron Buxton. That's actually oh, a, is that what,
2: that's <laughs> what happened to him. huh?
0: <laughs> yeah, so that happened to Byron Buxton on Thursday. You can't make this stuff up. Byron Buxton can't even eat a steak without hurting himself. It's Yeah. And I, now, I, this I, is the
2: Saturday show we're doing here, so That's right. We're recording
0: it on Thursday, so Right. <laughs> it's relevant right. now while we're talking about it, but uh I right. thought it was fun to uh to poke poke Chris a little bit because he's not on and uh he's a big Byron Buxton fan, so Can't make that kind of stuff up. Let's jump right in because we have a lot of questions to get to, Scotty. And we'll start off with some of our Apple podcast review questions. Thank you to everybody who has left us a five-star review. Drop a question in there. Uh, And thank you to everybody who is currently sending in your podcast submissions. Those have been awesome. You can continue to email those and just email us any questions that you have about Fantasy Baseball. FantasyBaseball at CBSi.com is the email for that. This first one's from Duke. I'm in a 12-team salary cap $260 budget. We start 10 pitchers, two at each infield position, five outfielders, and one utility. It's pretty deep. Keep Dom Smith or Dansby Swanson each at $3. Already keeping Lance Lynn, Carlos Carrasco, and Luke Voigt.
2: Oh, it's Swanson. It's Swanson because there are no concerns about the playing time because shortstop. I mean, if if every team's doubling up at every position, you're not going to like the back end of the shortstop position very much. Uh, and presuming it's a categories league, he'll give you some steals too. So I think Swanson pretty easily.
0: Yeah, I like Swanson uh, quite a bit. It seems like maybe we haven't talked about him much. Uh, we spoke about him during our shortstop preview, but Swanson was really good last year for the Braves. 274 batting average, 10 home runs, 49 runs scored, 35 RBI. The run scored, I don't know that he's going to be on a similar pace to that, because it seems like he's going to bat a little bit lower in the lineup this year, maybe fifth or sixth for the Braves. Um but yeah, he made some adjustments, started spraying the ball all over all over the field. Big fan of Dansby Swanson. We've been waiting a while. He's finally coming into his own. This next one's from Sebastian. Pick two of these guys to keep. Zach Gallon in the 12th, George Springer in the 11th, Jordan Alvarez in the last round, and Corbin Burns in the last round.
2: Mm. I think it's actually Gallon and Burns. I mean, the value's great for all of them, but if... If we're just if we're just drafting them straight up, the order I would pick these players would be Gallen first, then Springer, and then Burns before Alvarez. And, and you know, you got that eleventh round keeper cost for Springer, last round keeper cost for Burns. So that kind of makes up the difference there. And plus I just want to make sure just wanna make sure I'm not shorthanded with the pitching. In a keeper league, you don't know who else is being kept.
0: Yeah, it's a good point. I was gonna say if you can keep Alvarez and he maybe just bumps up one round from the second to last, I'd be really tempted to go that route. Just go Alvarez and Burns, but you bring
2: up a good. Oh, point you mean like year after year? You mean Alvarez and do you mean Alvarez and Gallon or Alvarez and Burns?
0: Alvarez and Burns. So they're both okay. last round keepers. I assume one of them would have to bump up to so, the next. So you're round.
2: thinking future years? How 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 the the keeper cost escalates would make a difference here for you? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. No, so. that's fair. That's fair. And we don't have that information, but just from what I know, I'd say Gallon and Burns, and right. and like, I might anyway. <laughs> I might anyway. <laughs> uh,
0: gallon and Burns for Scott Alvarez, and Burns for me. But uh, at least you know Burns is the one that you're keeping for sure. There, this one's from App Game Maestro. With the uncertainty of closers for each team, has anyone ever thought about altering the saves category to be a team category instead of an individual one? Draft the Tampa Bay Rays bullpen instead of any of their closer candidates. Fantasy football has done this for team defense. What do you think of this idea, Scott?
2: I, I it, it's it. I, I feel like I've heard it before. Um, it's obviously not widespread. I don't care for it. I, I don't... I I don't know I, I don't really get the um, the push to do away with saves I understand they're harder to secure but like do you just not want to do anything I don't know <laughs> like you want that that's kind of the fun of playing out the season is um, you know figuring things out along the way and. I, I think it's I think it's added an interesting strategy wrinkle. I mean it, it was already it was already a volatile position with a lot of turnover and and just the fact that every every manager is so tight-lipped about how they want to use their their bullpen arms and they don't want to they don't want to pigeonhole guys into roles um it's it's just added a, a, another layer to that. Uh No, I'm I <laughs> to me it's not appealing at all to do to go the the team bullpen route
0: usually i am with you on this scott i like the chase for saves and i don't like that any time there's something tough to deal with in fantasy any type of fantasy the the first instinct is just oh get rid of it same thing in fantasy football oh tight end stink well let's let's add another flex ball let's get rid of tight end No, I mean, that's that's what makes fantasy football fun is that not everyone has a great tight end. And and that's where the strategy comes in when when you're drafting and the same thing for saves. But this is actually a pretty interesting idea. It makes things easier. I I wouldn't be opposed to trying a league like this. It sounds pretty interesting. Someone emailed in recently that their league does. You draft an entire team's rotation (laughs) and that's your pitching staff. Yeah,
2: I've seen that, too. Like,
0: yeah. It's interesting. It's just I mean, why
2: not draft an entire team's lineup? You know, (laughs) (laughs) just three draft picks, lineup, uh, pitched uh, rotation, bullpen. That's it. This next from
0: this next one's from Jay in Cincinnati. Dear Cliff, Lars, Kirk, and James, Scott. If you don't know this, then I might quit my job.
2: (laughs) Oh man, you might have to quit your job. sounds familiar
0: i will give you one hint okay they are my favorite band
2: okay it's a band
0: (laughs) you don't know my favorite band come on scott
2: cliff lars
0: oh no! all
2: right who is it frank i'm sorry
0: uh well this is the last podcast we're ever gonna do together (laughs) it's metallica scott it's metallica
2: Oh gosh, I, I probably uh, should have known that. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm really not, really not a music guy.
0: Uh, I'll let you slide for now. 10-team head-to-head categories league. We keep seven, already keeping Aaron Nola, Luis Castillo, Jack Flaherty, Bryce Harper, Kyle Tucker, and Corey Seager. Some damn good keepers there. Keep one of Jose Barrios, Zach Granke, Charlie Morton, Byron Buxton, Cabrian Hayes, or Ryan Mountcastle.
2: Just one. Okay, I presume you're keeping them all on equal terms. Seven is still a decent amount of turnover. Ten, a very small league, obviously. So I'm pretty much just picking whoever whoever should be drafted first in 2021, which would be uh, Granky.
0: Granky? Ahead of Berrios? Yeah. 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 I-, I think it's pretty close there. If you wanted to lean with... The youth, not that Berrios is super young, but he's younger than Granky, so I wouldn't mind that. Some people email in and ask, Scott, do you factor in thinking years in advance, right, in a league like this? So would you take a Cabrian Hayes because he's the youngest of the group and he has like this big potential? Would you keep him rather than one of the older pitchers because, you know, Hayes might turn into a superstar?
2: So I kinda shortcut the process there, presuming people have heard me give the whole spiel before, but basically, um, it depends. It depends how good the draft pool looks in your keeper league from year to year. This being a ten team league, very shallow, only seven keepers. So you know there you you know there are going to be good players in the draft every year. So you don't need to you don't need to play the long game really. Uh if it was ten plus keepers, certainly like fifteen keepers, or if it was like if it was a deeper league, uh and, and and the draft the draft supply wasn't going to be so great then you 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 kind of have to you kind of have to hoard talent in a way that might lead you to to, to keep the younger guys just because they'll be around longer you know so um Seven Keepers is getting borderline, but I think because it's such a shallow league. I, I want to have a problem with you keeping Barrios. I think it's a close enough call between him and Granky for 2021 that maybe you just keep the young guy versus the very old guy, but I'd probably lean Granky.
0: Wait, Scott, did you say shallow? You're
2: <laughs> I can't get over that.
0: Such, such a great song from Chris. Uh, this next was from Matthew. You talk a good bit about two catcher leagues, but after playing fantasy for ten plus years, I've not only never been in one, I've never known somebody in one. Are they a real <laughs> thing? If so, why?
2: <laughs> a, oh, they're they're certainly a real thing. I mean,
0: that's the industry tout, standard in yeah in roto for leagues. roto league.
2: Yeah, for roto league, Tout Wars is two catcher league, TGFBI's two catcher league. I mean, those are the probably the most well known leagues I play in. But all the in house roto leagues we do, two catchers. Uh, why? So, I, I feel like nobody ever likes my answer to this, but I, I, am pretty adamant about it. I, I, when you have only one catcher versus five outfielders versus a middle infield spot, a corner infield spot, how deep you're going into those other positions. Like it's so much deeper than where you're going at catcher and it, it's amplified because nobody picks up a catcher to, to fill any other position. So, in one-catcher leagues, the number of catchers that are rostered are the number of teams there are, and that's it. So, you know, relative to those other positions, you're just not going deep enough into the position. And you look at the waiver wire, and wow, there's are some pretty interesting catcher options out there. But, like, there's no reason to pick them up, because like, it, it just makes the position too easy. Uh, two catchers, I mean, it, it kind of... It kind of goes a little too deep at the position, I'd say. Yeah, we need one. But and a, you can't do one and a half catchers, <laughs> I you know, say. so I'd rather, do, I'd rather do two catchers than one catcher. Yeah,
0: it's, it's a tough situation. It feels like that's just been the standard for so long in Roto Leagues, and that's why they use two catchers. There's not, outside of what you just said, there's not really a great explanation for doing it. And I know I just gave this whole spiel about how in fantasy football, you shouldn't get rid of tight end, but... Tight ends a lot like catcher Scott. Like, imagine every fantasy football league had to start two tight ends. <laughs> that would be insane. That would be a mess. So, man, like yeah. playing in two catcher leagues is tough. That's why some people put more of an emphasis on it. Okay, let me get two of my top twelve. Let me invest some real capital into the position. Uh, and then there's others who just completely punt it. They might, they might just take a team's catcher tandem, Max Stassi and Kurt Suzuki together, and, and just take mm-hmm. one team's catcher tandem there. Uh, you're not going to get I, I, as much I volume. To-
2: I tend to I tend to punt at catcher in a two catcher league. I the one catcher leagues you have fewer lineup spills. You tend to have fewer lineup spots to fill in general, so you need more impact from each position. I'm I'm actually more likely to go for a high end catcher in a one catcher league than a two catcher league. But um, I mean you you could you could end up pretty in a two catcher league. You can really shoot for upside with that second catcher spot, especially you could go for a Francisco Mejia who may finally break through for the Rays this year after all those lost years with the Padres and and Indians. Uh, I like, you know, somebody like Dom Nunez is going to get a lot of playing time for the Rockies and and he has a lot of power and some on-base ability. He could be a big surprise breakthrough last year. uh, This year. Um, You know, in a two-catcher league, you might have drafted Mitch Garver two years ago. He was in the discussion to draft in a two-catcher league and look how that played out. So, like, it just there are enough interesting options there that it's kind of nice to have that second spot to explore the position more. Alejandro Kirk this year, somebody who's interesting, uh Tom Murphy coming back from injury, we know he has big power and he's supposed to get like a 55% share in Seattle. I can keep going with deep catcher options, but there's there's definitely there's definitely enough to uh to to, to you know, not not look at the two-catcher league as, as such a bad thing.
0: Yeah, I tend to lean on those vets, too. Yadier Molina, Wilson Ramos, they go later than they should just because they're old and they're boring, but they seem to be pretty reliable there. And Elias Diaz is someone I'm still holding on hope. I know you brought up Dom Nunez, so we'll see what the split is for the Rockies there. But yeah,
2: those are the two Rockies guys, yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm... I'm Pretty excited about Elias Diaz. I've wanted him to be a thing for a long time. It hasn't happened, so we'll
2: see. <laughs> I keep in my in these te- in these fifteen team two catcher leagues. It's like I, I keep going one way or the other with the Rockies catcher. I think Nunez has more upside, but if 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 Elias Diaz gets the majority of the playing time, it's course Field. You know, he had a pretty good year with Pittsburgh a couple years ago, so he could he could end up making a a real impact.
0: Right. This next one's from Scott T, who calls himself. Shine Dogs, daddy. I don't like that. Shine Dog sends a lot of emails in. No, we're not doing that. I'm going to attend t- a deep 10-person keeper head-to-head points league to save time. Uh, the later you take a player, the longer you can keep them. Who are a couple of later-round players you could see getting taken in the first 25 picks by 2022 or 2023? So some late-round prospects, Scott, that we're looking at that can become potential superstars over the next couple of years.
2: Well, I mean, the, the big three, like, prospects that are going to be worth drafting and stashing in all leagues are uh, Wander Franco, Mackenzie Gore, and Jared Kelnick. Those are ones who certainly aren't going to make the opening day roster, but will be up soon and will make a big impact probably right away. Uh, obviously, the, there's, like, Andrew Vaughn and Alex Kirilov guys we expect to make the opening day roster at least very soon afterward. And they have that kind of upside, too. But kind of going off the beaten path here, uh, I, I I immediately think of Brendan Rodgers for something like this, who's finally in line to be an everyday player for the Rockies, second base. He's had some shoulder problems the past couple of years, but he's healthy again, former top, top prospect, and obviously has the benefit of course field. Um you know, this being only a 10-team keeper league, I mean, we don't even need to go that deep, probably. Uh, I, I would... You know, anybody anybody who's an ex-prospect and is still young and, and has a shot at playing time, so that would include somebody like Austin Riley or... Um, Gavin Lux comes to mind for me, Scott. Nick, yeah, Nixon Nixon Zell with the Reds, I like. Sure. Sure, I mean, other pitchers, Michael Kopech, Nate Pearson, even like... Tarek Skubel. I mean, just really anybody who's a prospect and is close, or or has a job already. Um, those are guys that I would be interested. I mean, in a ten-team league, you can only draft so many of them because obviously the the late-round picks are going to be pretty attractive. Who are the more proven ones? I mean, um, but but yeah, those those are the first players I think of.
0: This next one's from Blaine0325. This question is specifically for Scott, so happy you're here, Scott. Good thing I'm here. 11-team yeah. Roto-Dynasty. Our draft starts with the 16th round. Would you trade Max Fried for a 16th round pick so you can secure Kibrian Hayes? Thinking of doing this because my pitchers are Yu Darvish, Aaron Nola, Lance Lynn, Hyunjin Ryu, Zach Plesac, Michael Kopech, and Devin Williams. So if you have that kind of pitching depth in a dynasty format, Scott, would you want to trade away, trade away Max Fried for Kebrian Hayes?
2: No, nah, I mean, Max Fried is a good dynasty asset himself. And I would take him several rounds before I took Hayes if we were doing a complete redraft. So I understand. feel like you're pitching strong there. You can, your pitching can never be too strong, honestly. Like e- e- Even if it turns out you're just running away with the pitching categories and all your guys happen to stay healthy, like you could trade Ryu or Lin, an old guy like that, uh, for like, some, there are going to be several teams in your league who have a desperate need for starting pitching, and you'd probably get back more than just Hayes for it if it comes to that. But it turns out you might need all the pitching yourself, and the draft is really the only place you can feel confident you're going to get that kind of impact at that position.
0: And it's worth mentioning with Max Fried and, and really any players that we talk about as a bust. A lot of them are overvalued. So when we talk about that, most of the time, it's based on their average draft position in redraft leagues. If you have Max Fried at a great keeper value or a great dynasty value, just because we call him a bust for this year based on his ADP, doesn't mean that we're down on the player in general. And same thing with Bo Bichette. Someone emailed in recently and asked, oh, you guys have Bo Bichette as a bust. I can keep him for $1, but now I don't know if I should. Yes, you should definitely keep Bo Bichette for <laughs> yeah, $1. That's,
2: that's one of those annoying things. Like, And I, I tried to clarify, um, you know, I, I actually have distinct columns, overrated versus bust, for mm-hmm. one thing. And and Freed is in the overrated column. He's not in the bust column. But even when we were having that conversation on the podcast, like, obviously, Bichette's a really good player. He's probably going to be a really good player for a long time. I have him in a... Dynasty League myself and he's like the one untouchable on my team so like it's just there's 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 a, uh, the redraft context where you're considering what's most efficient with each pick and so sometimes the bust label gets mixed into that discussion but if it's but it's purely but but in those cases it's often just purely an efficiency issue and not really anything to do with with the quality of the player himself. This next
0: was from Andrew Dettel. 12-team, 6x6 categories league. How would you guys rank Nelson Cruz, Yordan Alvarez, J.D. Martinez, and a. Eugenio Suarez for this year specifically? J.D. and Yordan are both outfield eligible. Mm.
2: So between Chris and Ariel Cohen, I'm taking a longer look at it. A- Eugenio Suarez and liking what I see a little more. Just the fact that he's... Oh, I just... know. Okay, sorry. I didn't catch that last line about J.D. Martinez and Jordan Alvarez both being outfield eligible. Jordan Alvarez, wow. Um, That changes things because I was going to say Suarez just because he's eligible at a position and the others aren't. Mm -hmm. So, I I mean, it's close enough between Cruz, Alvarez, and Martinez, the three, in in most places, DH-only guys. I, I keep going back and forth who I prefer between those three. So, if you have two who are eligible in outfield and one who's not. I think Cruz immediately goes to the back of the line here. And um, I would probably rank them. I still think i go Suarez one, but it's closer. Uh, I mean, the fact Jordan Alvarez still hasn't played yet this spring, right? Makes me a little nervous. I'll go Suarez, Martinez, Alvarez. Mm -hmm. But Alvarez has the most upside, so do with that what you... Will.
0: Yeah, I was going to put Alvarez first on the list with outfield okay. eligibility, but I think it is close with Suarez. This one's from Farmer, Kurt, Deer, Zach, Slater, and Screech. That is bewitched. Mm. I don't think so, Scott. 16-team, no. head-to-head points, Dynasty League. I have a very strong pitching staff while my offense is fine. Would you trade any of Bieber, Garrett Cole, Clayton Kershaw? Zach Gallen, Kent Maeda, Jesus Lazardo, or Mackenzie Gore for a top of the line position player. If so, which pitcher would you trade?
2: Like, there's no rush to do this. Trading doesn't end before opening day. Like, the reason I want to overdo it with pitching is because pitching gets there's so much attrition over the course of the season, and you don't know who it is that's going to go down, but. One, two, maybe even three of these guys will go down for an extended stretch. And you'll feel sad that you traded them away before it happened because now it's going to be much harder to get them after that attrition is kicked in and other guys are losing pitchers as well. So don't do it. Don't do it. Just just wait and see how it goes. Wait and see what your actual needs are as things are playing out. It's much easier to fill hitting on the fly than it is to fill pitching on the fly. There's just no no reason to rush off and do this.
0: This next one's from anonymous guy who plays in a league where most managers listen to you guys head to head points, head to head points, keep two as long as you want. Pete Alonzo, Luis Robert, Nate Pearson, Denelson, Lamette, Griffin canning to head points, Scott.
2: Well, obviously the hitters are much higher than the pitchers, but it is a head to head points league. Um,
0: and if Lamette were healthy, it would, it would be an easy one for
2: him. Yeah, if Lamette was healthy, then he would he would probably be top of the list here. But the questions about his elbow, I, I, I'm still tempted to do it. I'm still tempted to do it, keep him and Luis Robert, because Luis Robert's ceiling could be like, you know, top five. We could be talking about him like Fernando Tatis at this time next year. As much as I don't, like paying up for Robert in fantasy. Like, I I acknowledge there's still a super high ceiling there. Alonzo, the fact that he strikes out so much and, like, isn't going to really get any better from here and first base, you know, it's it's always, it always has its share of sluggers. I I don't know that Alonzo is so worth protecting in this instance. I think I'd go Robert and I think I'd go Lamette as things stand now. Alonzo's the safer choice, but I think I'd go Lamet.
0: This next one's from Brad in New Jersey. In a startup dynasty head-to-head categories, what round would you take Shohei Ohtani? He doesn't say if it's a daily lineup league, but I'm thinking if it's head-to-head categories that it might be daily.
2: So And that means you could take advantage of both the pitching side and the hitting side. And I have correct starting to get the feeling um, Shohei Ohtani's going to be a... Big thing this year on both sides. And you'll be really glad that you can enjoy the benefits of both. Um, what round? He keeps moving up. It would be hard to justify taking him earlier than like round 10, I think. Like you want him to be discounted.
0: Even in a daily lineup league, Scott?
2: Yeah, I I don't want to reach for him. Mm-hmm. I mean, ten round 10, I, I don't know how big the league is, but I'm assuming 12 teams or fewer. Round 10 would be about the... Er- I think it would be the earliest I've seen him go. Have you seen him go earlier than that?
0: No, no, I haven't.
2: Yeah, I think round 10, you start to get to a point where uh, you feel less confident in your picks in general. So I think that's about where I'd do it. Mm. I, if I could squeeze another two uh, round or two out of it, great. But like, if if you have to have him, I think letting him slip beyond round ten is might be a mistake.
0: I think I just think if this is a daily league and it's startup dynasty, he's going to be someone's going to reach on him like way higher than he should go. He's going to be a top five or six round player. I think I'm not saying that you should do that, but yeah. I just I think that's probably where he's going to go in that format. Okay,
2: sorry, I was. You're right. Dynasty. Right. I, I wasn't considering the dynasty aspect, so that's a, that's a good point.
0: Yeah. Um, top top fifty players, Scott?
2: I'd still be reluctant because, like, we're basing a lot on how he looks this spring, right? Mm-hmm. If we did this a month ago, even in a startup dynasty, he wouldn't be a top ten round pick. I think I'll move it up to round eight. Okay. Fair
0: enough. This one's from Doug, Deer Mahoney, Tackleberry, and Hightower.
2: That's Police Academy, I think. Though I've never seen it.
0: Nice. I, you haven't seen the movie, but you, you know the characters.
2: It's good I stuff. know movies pretty well. My, I have like movies are my wheelhouse. I don't. I know a lot about movies, even if I haven't <laughs> seen them. So yeah. Thirteen team
0: standard five by five roto league where I can keep up to six with no contract restraints. I have a fair amount of early round picks from last year, uh, last season's trades. How early do you think I should pull the trigger on Jared Kelnick? Thirteen teams.
2: Um, how oh, early? Okay. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> what do you think, Frank?
0: <laughs> so let's look up the ADP for Jared Kelnick. Is two hundred three. He's climbing. So yeah. 203 uh it's it doesn't say is I can keep up to 6 and I have early Yeah, that's
2: that's picks. not that many keepers. So I don't feel like you have to
0: But if other people are keeping your, six six players already, he's going to be a top 100 pick in this in this format,
2: I think. Cuz you're saying
0: cuz there's already 6 times 13 right. being kept,
2: right? So Yeah, 78 players being kept.
0: He's going to be close yeah. to a top one
2: hundred yeah. pick. Yeah, he'll be yep. a top one hundred pick in this format.
0: Yeah. If you want to, if uh, you want to sup- secure that you get him, then eighth round, maybe. In a league like this, sure. sure. Yeah. I feel like yeah. I'm picking. Like it's hard to say. It's hard to say. <laughs> right. I mean, whatever. Right. Would, whatever would equate to. His ADP is 200. Whatever would equate to, if you want to pull him up the board 50 spots because it's a keeper league, if you wanted to draft him mm-hmm. inside the top 150, I wouldn't have an issue with that. So just kind of mm-hmm. equate that to however many players are being kept in your league. And and yeah. that's probably how I would go I, about I it. I
2: would use... I, uh, see, it's it's hard to just pull a number out of the view because, you, blue, because in, in atypical leagues, leagues like this, you kind of take your cues from how the draft is going. Like if I see Andrew Vaughn go, if I see Dylan Carlson go, if I see Wander Franco go, you know that kind of puts the idea in my head. Okay, I probably need to take Kelnick soon if I want him. Right. And maybe Kelnick will get taken ahead of all three of those guys. But y- you know, you can't. You don't. You don't want to be so far out on a limb that you're you're giving up value either. So I I take my cues from the draft room in atypical leagues. And so I I just really don't know how to give you an answer. This is the round where you should take him.
0: From Slayer sixty nine brings me back to my my guitar hero days. I had a question for Frank, mostly, but would love some input from the crew. I became a baseball fan when I moved to Cincinnati in 2015. It's been difficult to root for a below-average team, but I am heavily invested. I'm moving to NYC in three weeks. Welcome. It's not often that one can potentially get a second team to root for. Who to choose, the Mets (laughs) or the Yankees? All right, well, first of all
1: dramatic things I've ever seen
0: that's right moving from Cincinnati to New York that's a very dramatic move I would say I would continue to root for the Cincinnati Reds I am very big on you should root for the fandom in your geographic location I am very very big on that so if you live in New York and you're a Celtics fan or you're a Red Sox fan or you're a Patriots fan chances are I don't like you I don't like when people do that, but um, I, so I would, first of all, I would stick with your Reds, no matter what you're a Reds fan, stick with them, follow them. If you wanted to choose a second team, I don't know, either way, you're probably going to look like a bandwagon fan because the Mets are about to become really good. We presume the Yankees are usually good year in and year out. Not that they perform in the postseason, but that's a conversation for another day.
2: Just, just, just pick the Yankees. Yes, if you're, if you're choosing between the Yankees and the Mets, like it's, it's, (laughs) you don't have any like uh, childhood ties to it. Like, just pick the Yankees and save yourself a lot of misery because Mets fans seem to be the most miserable (laughs) fans out there. Um, Well, you know, I'm not. I'm actually not like. I obviously, I grew up a Braves fan. I lived there for over 20 years mm-hmm. and was heavily invested for the Braves. I moved to South Florida. There was obviously not a thought in my mind. Am I going to become a Marlins fan? <laughs> Even now, having lived here 13 years, I have no investment in the Marlins. Mm-hmm. It's it's really easy, uh, you know, getting getting games out of market these days. So it's it's not difficult to follow your team. But I understand you're a more recent, Baseball fan probably haven't so closely tied yourself to the Reds yet. You said it was hard to root for them. I I can understand a little more in that scenario, but I don't agree with you that you should be a fan of, of where you happen to live because, you know, you have to, it's a a, a transient world. Did I use that word right? Transient?
0: I don't, you're asking the wrong guy, but to me, it's a lot like, you know, when you're in high school and you have pep rallies, right? I mean, there's something to be excited about. It's, you know, This is where I'm from. I I
2: never leave this living room, so (laughs) it doesn't matter.
0: This next one's from CDMO83, 14-team head-to-head categories. I am learning that so many of our listeners play in head-to-head categories leagues, so we might have to do more with that. Uh, 14-team head-to-head categories with keepers. I made two trades recently and curious on your opinions. First, Walker Bueller and Brandon Lau for Whit Merrifield, Luis Robert, and Randy Arosa Reyna.
2: okay uh Bueller and Lowe for Maryfield Robert I would say that is for had categories league yeah that's that's good that's good I don't think I think Bueller is going to be underwhelming this year obviously we've talked about that a lot and you're getting three base dealers without giving up one I mean that you kind of lock up the category right there with Maryfield Robert and Rosarena. I mean not completely but you do yourself a lot of favors yeah I like it that's I'm going to give it a grade? I'll give it a B+. The
0: second one, maybe not so much. Lucas Giolito for Kyle Tucker. Nah,
2: there's not a scenario where I would take Tucker over Giolito. And you already got plenty of speed. So it's not like that was even a desperate need for you. Got to keep the ace.
0: This next one's from Harfams. FBT is easily the best fantasy baseball podcast available. I have you alone in my elite tier of fantasy pods. Well, thank you, sir. Mm-hmm. Or or woman, whatever you might be. Uh, I am in a 12-team head-to-head categories daily league with a short bench. Because of the limited bench spots, multiple position eligibility provides key middle-to-late-round value. Could you give me some advice about whether Dylan Moore is worth reaching for in this format, or can you suggest multi-position eligible players to target in later rounds that provide better value than Dylan Moore. Well, you've come to the right place because Scott White loves Dylan Moore. He just drafted him in his Tout Wars team. So I don't think there's anyone else more equipped uh, to talk about Dylan Moore than Scott. I'm not
2: I'm not comfortable going public with that yet, Frank. <laughs> this was a revelation I had last night is that I'm actually starting to like Dylan Moore as, as uh, scary as he is. Is out-of-nowhere three during a very short season. Um Just the fact that, like, Shedlong is still hurt for the Mariners, so he's not going to be in the mix at second base, and now they're talking about de- batting Dylan Moore leadoff at least some of the time. Like, he'd have to go really wrong to lose his, his grip on playing time, I think. And if he's playing, he's going to steal some bases. He's going to pop some homers. I think it'll... I think it'll be at least okay. And, um... I do like the multi-eligibility. So he, he lists a few guys here, right? Nick Solak, no, Andres. No, Im-
0: these, these were just names that I threw in there. Sometimes. Oh, these were your suggestions. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yep.
2: Okay. Because the ones... I mean, Andres Jimenez immediately came to mind for me. Actually, I think he's triple eligible, second, short, and third. And uh, he's he's somebody I look to for steals uh, if, if steals are a need. He doesn't even specify that they are, but if he's going after more, it seems like they probably are. uh, uh also a speedster, Tommy Edman. I like. He's it. going to be quadrupled eligible very mm-hmm. soon. If on some sites he might already be second base eligible. On CBS, it's third short and outfield right now. Picking up second base, expected a bad leadoff for the Cardinals. And uh pretty much, pretty much my cue to take more. I remember, I use draft room cues. Is. Basically, whichever goes first between Moore and Edmund, once the first one goes, I try to take the second one. That's kind of where I am now in those categories, leagues. Um, let's see, multi eligible guys. Oh, uh, yeah, it's a 12 team league. You probably don't need to go this deep, but like Nick Horner's is multi eligible, and I could see him having Nick Solek type production this year. He's having a big spring. Uh, I don't
0: think Brendan Rogers has multi position eligibility. But no, he's a name I, that we like. No, he
2: doesn't. He doesn't. Um,
0: Solak, you mentioned. Ryan McMahon. Not that he's going to give you steals, but I think on some sites, he might have three different positions. Jake, Jake Cronenworth is right.
2: first, second, short. And I think that's it. John
0: Birdie it. has...
2: Second and outfield.
0: Second and outfield. So that helps. He can give you some steals. Sung Kim, depending on where he plays, I think he only has... Sh-
2: shortstop. He's only shortstop to start now, now, but both he both he and Cronenworth for that matter could pick up outfield, I think.
0: All right. I think we gave uh, we gave this person a pretty good list there and a uh, nice little analysis of Dylan Moore. We're going to take a quick break, but when we return, we have your emails here on Fantasy Baseball Today. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. So let's get to some of these emails. Fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Do a little rapid fire style. Get to let's get to all of these. Let's do them all, Scott. This one's from Matt. Okay. Dear Bear, Dez, and Kobe. Bryants. Those are Bryants. I, have, I was having a discussion with a buddy about Chris Bryant that led to an interesting bet. Which side would you take? Side A, Chris Bryant finishes outside the top 150 in a head-to-head categories league. Side B, Chris Bryant finishes inside the top 84. Winner gets money and the option to swap draft positions next season. I
2: like this. I mean, it's very likely neither side wins, <laughs> right? Somewhere probably, in the middle, <laughs> I'd probably take side C there. Uh, neither. Uh, I I I have serious concerns about Bryant. I I saw him on the downswing even before last year. I kind of I kind of worried if he was on the verge of a collapse. So maybe over that small sample, it's kind of a confirmation bias thing for me that I'm just not interested. I know Chris feels. Entirely, the the is on the other end of the spectrum as far as that goes, and thinks everybody's writing off Bryant too quickly. Maybe right. He's still pretty young, but if you're forcing me to pick one of these more extreme scenarios, I would take side A. Fin- finishes outside of the top one hundred and fifty.
0: Yes, we are in lockstep there, Scott. I will say it's a contract year for Chris Bryant, and this all comes down to health. If he stays healthy. I think he probably can finish inside the top 84, but I am in the belief that he probably won't be able to stay healthy, and it has affected his production the past couple of years. So it's side A for me as well. This one's from Dozier. I am in a 10-team head to head categories league and was offered Freddie Freeman, Whit Merrifield, Luis Robert, and Lucas Giolito For my, Jose Abreu, Kevin Biggio, Alex Bregman, and Trevor Bauer. So it's a pretty big one here. Four for four.
2: I think you take it. Freeman's definitely better than Abreu. Merrifield, I think, is definitely better than Biggio. Robert versus Bregman, you know, I'd rather have Bregman, but in a categories league, uh, I think a lot of people would say they'd take Robert instead. And Giolito for Bowers basically a wash. So, I think on the strength of Freeman and Merrifield, the, what you're receiving is better than what you're giving up.
0: This one's from Brian in Brooklyn. My particular particular league withholds as a sixth pitching category uh, isn't the value of starting pitching diluted and relievers more valuable as they earn holds saves and wins along with contributing to ERA and whip per ATC and the bat X projections run through uh, run through an auction calculator which you could do on Fangraphs you can run through run your favorite projection system there and they'll spit out a dollar amount uh, guys like Liam Hendricks and Josh Hader are worth fourth or fifth round draft picks in this format. Does that sound right?
2: Well, I I don't know. I don't know exactly how those projections work in terms of spitting out their round value. Uh, I I would guess relievers are notoriously difficult to project. So, you know, you're obviously going to have a very optimistic projection for guys like Hendricks and Hayter and a very pessimistic projection for lower-end closers. The The thing about... The, the overall point, though, about relievers being worth more than starting pitchers because there's both a holds and a saves category, I think, is flawed, though, because nobody's ever going to get a hold and a save in the same game. True. And usually, at any given time, a reliever's only... only in a role that will secure him one or the other. Um... You know, even if it's a like a Nick Anderson situation where it's going to be I don't know a dozen saves and a dozen holds over the course of the year, y- y- you know, how's that so different? Like, wouldn't you rather have a thirty save guy and a, a twenty holds guy? You know, um, I, I don't know. I, I don't think I, I don't think I agree with the reasoning here.
0: This one's from Kevin in Detroit. My league is changing our ten team head to head category scoring to include innings pitched as a new category along with saves plus holds replacing saves and K per nine replacing strikeouts. My question is, how does this change your draft strategy? We start nine pitchers and have four bench spots. Should I draft like normal, move to a more streaming pitcher type team, grab more relief pitchers? What do you think? Innings pitch, saves plus hold instead of saves, K per nine instead of strikeouts.
2: Well, that's interesting. Because you know the fact that innings themselves are a category uh, really cuts against you loading up on like Tyler Glass now, uh, Ian Anderson types guys who we worry about them going deep into games consistently and just you know dominating the K per nine category because you don't need the the total number of Ks, but innings pitch being its own category. I mean that. That makes that not necessarily the answer. I, I'd probably approach it about the same way. Yeah. probably I, I, appro- Maybe stock down a little for guys like Zach Greinke and Kyle Hendricks, who are going to suffer more in K per nine than they would in straight Ks, but only slightly down because obviously you still want them accumulating innings.
0: Yeah. I, I'm, I don't know that I would downgrade them, Scott, because those guys are going to help you in innings. I, I think what you need to do with something like this is just build for more balance. So try and get as many high-end relievers as you can, guys that are going to give you high K per nine who, okay, maybe they won't give you saves, but they might give you holds. So you get a lot of those, and then you couple them with um, starters that are going to go deep into their starts. So I think it's a good way. I think with something like this, as you add more categories, you really just need to build for more balance. So that's that's what I would do there. Uh, this one's from Cameron. Has a few questions. First, in a Roto Keeper League, I got I get five keepers that I get to keep for three years at plus two rounds a year keeper cost. So it goes up two rounds each year. Uh, Salvador Perez in the 26th round, Denelson Lamette in the 25th, Sonny Gray in the 20th, James Karinczak in the 17th, Corey Seeger in the 6th, then Kenta Maeda in the 5th, Max Fried in the 8th, and Spencer Howard in the 20th. Currently keeping the first five is that the best? So we'll answer that question first. What do you? Th- I guess Maida in the fifth. Would you take him over any of those other values? Probably not. Same thing. I'd
2: with- I'd be tempted to take him over Karinczak, Speaking as the Karinchak guy,
0: mm-hmm.
2: like I just don't know. I don't know that I want to use one of my precious keeper slots on an unproven closer. Uh, And, uh, again, who knows how many high-end starting pitchers are being kept. You starting out with just Gray and Lamette. You know, I certainly wouldn't want that to be my number one, number two, or even my number two, number three, you know. So secure Maeda there in the fifth round. That's, That's at least, you know, you're probably not drafting him any later than the fifth round. And then address next year, next year, you'll probably have some newcomer keeper possibilities at that point.
0: Additionally, I could trade Denelson Lamet, who was a twenty-fifth round keeper, for Trevor Bauer, who was a fourth round keeper. It's a twelve-team league, so Bauer seems more irreplaceable and a higher impact. But the late round price tag is tempting for Lamet.
2: I think I'd do it. I think I'd do it. You're getting <laughs> Bauer at a two-round discount there. Obviously, he becomes an immediate ace for you. I'd still keep my eye over Korincheck at that in in that scenario, but beginning. Your season with Bauer, Maeda, uh, yeah, Bauer, Maeda, and Gray, as opposed to Gray, Lamet, and Karinchak, you're giving up some value there with the the difference in rounds, but uh, that that sounds a lot more appealing to me. I mean, obviously, if if Lamet ends up having a second Tommy John surgery, then you, you're not keeping him regardless of what the cost is. Uh, so uh, you, the long-term aspect doesn't even really come into play here.
0: This next one's from Sean. Dear Crash Ray and
2: Billy. I think that's Bull Durham, right? Again, I haven't seen it.
0: Oh, well, I haven't seen it either. <laughs> so we're, uh, <laughs> we're going to hear it from the people. Draft spots were just set, and I'll be picking fourth in a 10-team head-to-head points league. Could use some advice. If someone in front of me takes a position player, I just take best pitcher available, right? What if all three of CBD go? That is Cole, Bieber, and DeGrom.
2: Thank you for that. I was having trouble processing that in the moment. Um, Head-to-head points. Yeah, okay. Yeah, just take the best pitcher available. If all three go through, which is how I think all three of us rank them in head-to-head points, right? We have all three of those top pitchers going one, two, and three? Yep. Then you have to ask um, yourself: Do you pull someone like Bauer or Aaron Nola up to the fourth overall pick? Yeah, no, I wouldn't. I would. I, I've I've been thinking about this because remember the other day on the podcast I said I'm to the point where I think I'll pretty much just take starting pitchers in a head-to-head points leagues until the to, to, until the good ones are all gone. I think I draw the line at five hitters in particular. Yeah, five hitters in particular. The the obvious five, Trout, Betts, Acuna, uh, Soto and Tatis. I I would go with the best of them. I, I think I have I don't even remember. I think I have Soto in the head to head points league. I think I have Soto ranked at the highest among them. You know, I, so, I saw
0: that you made that change the other day, Scott, and I was like, Whoa, what did this yeah, happen? The,
2: the plate discipline's just so good. And I, I know it is for bets and and trout as well, but um, I I think it's best for Soto, so I feel like the ceiling might actually be higher for him at this point. Uh, So yeah, that's those five hitters. If if you know if I don't happen to have one, if I don't happen to get Bieber, uh, Degrom or Cole, which is how I rank them, if I don't happen to get be in a position to take them in the first round, then I would look at those five hitters before I looked at taking another pitcher.
0: This next one's from Nick. Dear Kit, Plo and Mace. Which I when I research this, I think it's something Star Wars related. Mace Windu. I don't know.
2: I think of uh, I think of Night Rider with Kit, but (laughs) I don't I don't know who the name the name of anyone else in that show. So
0: this is where we need Chris. I have a question for you about my keeper league situation. Five by five, head to head categories league. We use OBP and quality starts instead of batting average and wins. We keep up to five players, and they count towards your first five draft picks. I have seven potential keepers. Trout, Jose Ramirez, Max Scherzer, Luis Castillo, Adalberto Mondesi, JT Realmuto, and Keston Hiura. So you need five of those. What do you think, Scott?
2: Trout and Ramirez, of course. Um, Yeah, I, I think... He doesn't say how deep the league is, right? But it's only five keepers, so a lot of turnover year after year. I I don't think I'd worry about the long-term ramifications. I would just take the top five he has listed here. Trout, Jose Ramirez, Max Scherzer, Luis Castillo, and Adalberto Mondesi.
0: Agreed. This next one's from Eric. Starting a new league with head-to-head points and keepers, but the draft format is a little unique. It is a blind salary cap league where we submit one bid for each of and only... Our starting 22 players. Only one bid. Okay, interesting. Multiple rounds of bid submissions until rosters are complete. Having seen one year of this league previously, player values can be all over the map depending on what players are catching attention. Do you have any players that you think I can sneak away with using a low bid because they don't have that, quote, name value? Kind of in the same vein, any players that are worth spending up on to ensure... I get and have as a keeper. Points are heavily skewed towards total bases and innings pitched and strikeouts.
2: Okay, so kind of boring guys that we see fall sometimes. Is that is that kind of what you're thinking? I I don't like going after, in, in salary cap leagues, I don't like going after the trendy guy because the trendy guy might go for 5 to $10 higher than he should, and I'm not... I'm never so confident in any of my predictions that I'm worth paying up, that that I'm willing to pay up that much, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I I, I I immediately thought of Carlos Carrasco here because, of course, my mind goes to pitchers. And obviously him dealing with an elbow issue right now only helps your, your chances of getting him for a discount. Saint, uh, Mike Saint, is, Mike, go ahead. Mike Yastrzemski is somebody who I just, nobody seems to want for no good reason.
0: Alex Bregman uh, came to mind for me, Scott. He's dealing with the oh, hamstring, sure. so he might get devalued a little bit. And great and in a Rendon. points league. Rendon too. I mean, he's older, so yep. just not exciting. Either of those third basemen, I would, I would love to get.
2: Yeah, um, I feel like you could take advantage at third base with a guy like Matt Chapman or or Gio Urshela, or even like Brian. I mean, there's obviously a certain dollar amount I would take Brian for. Yeah, this this would be difficult to do, to plan for, because there are always discounts in a salary draft, formerly known as an auction. There are always discounts, but you don't... It, it's kind of just the discounts happen to be the guys who are uh, last the longest on the draft board, right? And, and you obviously can't predict how that's going to shake out ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: so do, I would look at some boring veterans, too, that are just good in points leagues. Goldschmidt, Anthony Rizzo... Zach Granky, names like that. It's just, no one's really excited to do that. I-, I tweeted this out last week. I said, no one's excited to draft Jorge Soler. Well, since he had, he hit a very long home run, but even in a points league, he's going to strike out quite a bit. His OBP is, is very good too. So even so yep. I think is, you know, he's unexciting, but he could be really good. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I'm trying to think of some other Granky. You mentioned that's a good one. Um, Ah, oh, man. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think I'm going to come up with another name quickly enough for us to linger on it. So let's I mean, we, go we, to the next one. Yeah, we we gave a few uh, a decent... Like, nobody wants there. Carlos Santana, so put in a bid for him for two bucks. Yeah. I mean, he's probably going to hit 30 homers, right? 25 at least.
0: 25 with really good OBP, so like that yep, call as well. This next one's from Daniel. Hey, Brian, Melvin, Miguel, and Javi.
2: Ah, those are, I don't know, Brian and Javi, is that a Braves catcher thing, McCann and Lopez, but I don't know how Melvin and Miguel fit in there, I'm not sure. I think these are
0: Orioles, Scott. Brian Roberts, Melvin Melvin Mora, Mora, Miguel Tejada,
2: and and Javi Lopez, potentially. Javi
0: Lopez, yeah. We did our 2020 Keeper League draft, but suspended the league and did a separate standoff league when the season resumed. We do a salary cap draft, and I get to keep four guys at their draft day cost permanently. The budget is $260. Below is what I am thinking with the rest of my options. Definite keepers are Glaber Torres for $1, DJ LeMahieu for $5, Max Scherzer for 33 Up for consideration, Trey Mancini for a buck, Michael Kopeck for four, three. And there are a few others here. Max Muncy for 13, Justin Turner for 10, Jock Peterson for one Hector Neris for 18. No, Jose Alvarado for a buck. No,
2: no, I think Mancini for one. I'm, I'm kind of tempted to go Muncie for 13, but he's, he's no spring chicken and he could, there's a chance he falls off pretty quickly. I think Mancini for one makes the most sense.
0: Yep. I like that as well. This next one's from Andrew. Hello, Ted Roy and Keely. No idea. This is, I think it's from Ted Lasso. I think that's the okay. thing. Uh, quick question about how to attack custom league setups in general. Our keeper league is a nine by nine head to head categories league, with each category essentially being the different way ways to get points in a points league. With eighteen categories up for grabs each week, should I worry, should I even worry about steals or saves? Seems like a great opportunity to forego those categories in hopes of better players in other categories. So yeah, I'd punt steals
2: for sure, <laughs> for sure. Unless, unless they just fall in my lap, you know? I'd punt steals for sure because steals are so isolated from everything else. And I, I, uh, I get the argument for doing that with saves also. Holds is not a category. Um, I, th- I think I'd just go... I think I'd go straight starting pitcher... I draft a lot of starting pitchers so they're not going to hurt your ERA and WHIP, and then you can load up on quality starts, wins, uh, strikeouts, c- complete games. is a category for some reason. Innings pitched. Yeah, like most of these categories reward starting pitchers. So uh, get the high end guys who aren't going to hurt your ERA and WHIP, and then don't even worry about steals. If chances are, if people follow like the draft room rankings, a lot of the steals guys are going to go early when you're drafting pitchers, and and that should be a welcome development for you.
0: This next one's from Kyle. Hey guys, I play in a Yahoo head to head categories league and wanted to get your thoughts on Isaiah kiner Faleva, Falefa who still has catcher eligibility on Yahoo leagues with how much the Rangers run on the base paths. How does his catcher eligibility impact your draft outlook for him?
2: He's probably one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. He's probably top 10, certainly top 12 at the position.
0: Agreed there. Pretty excited about Kiner and Not that he, excited is not the right word, but maybe double digit home runs, 15 to 20 steals that definitely has a place as a middle infielder in deeper leagues and, and definitely as a catcher. This one's from Jeremy Dear Jack, Pat, John, and Mariano. <laughs> and I I left the th- I left it in there. <laughs> Sorry, Scott.
2: Oh man, World Series MVPs against the Braves. <laughs> Jack Morris, Pat Borders, John Wetland, and Mariana Rivera. Man, man, they they, they uh, I, don't, I don't like the closer getting MVP against you. That for some reason that just makes it seem worse. Right.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry, Scott. Ten team keeper league, Roto, six by six with OBP uh, with OBP instead of batting average and slugging percentage as the extra category. Uh, quality starts is the extra category on the pitching side, keeping Freddie Freeman, Nelson Cruz, and Shane Bieber. I need to keep four more from the names below. Dylan Bundy in the 15th, Jesus Lozardo in the 22nd, and then any of Jeff McNeil, Dom Smith, Alec Bohm, Santander, Kevin Gosman, Jamison Tyone, all in the 23rd round. So four of those.
2: I think I would go Bundy in the 15th, Lozardo in the 22nd, and... McNeil in the 23rd. One more. Oh, one more. Dom Smith in the 23rd.
0: I like it. This one's from Darren. Dear Wander, Andrew, Jared, and Alex. Wander Franco, Andrew Vaughn, Jared Kelnick. Alex Alex Kirilov. Kirilov. There you go. Good job. There you go. You guys have been talking about some of the young guys in spring making noise so far. You guys have also talked a lot about Key Brian Hayes and Alex Kirilov previously. Can you rank your priorities for rookie hitters, including guys who debuted late last year with a very limited sample size like Hayes and Kirilov? So... How do you rank those, Scott? Hayes, Vaughn, Kolenic, Wander Franco, and we're, Kirilov.
2: We're talking strictly for 2021, right? That's what it seems like. Yeah, so Hayes, Vaughn, Kirilov, because those are the three I expect to contribute basically from the start of the season. Hayes, Vaughn, Kirilov, and then I give Kelnick a slight edge to Wander Franco. I think uh, I think there's more pressure for the Mariners to call up to, to call up Kelnick because of the the Controversy there, and I think they'll have an easier time fitting him in than the Rays will. Wander Franco, so I, I could be wrong, it could be Franco up first, but it forced you know, I'm kind of having to kind of having to nitpick there and to to pick a favorite. And I say Kelnick over Wander Franco.
0: This one's from Matt and Norcal heads to head, five by five categories league, keep seven, no salaries or contracts. I give Kesson Hira and get Glaber Torres.
2: Uh, I, I mean, I trust Glaber Torres to make an impact more. Hira could contribute in steals, and, well, I guess he's not going to be second-base eligible for much longer, so that, that makes it easier. Yeah, Gleyber Torres.
0: This one's from... Sh- no, this one's from Andy and KC. Just wanted to ask you for a couple names of position players outside your top 300 that you might eye moving up by opening day.
2: Well, uh, Oh, I have... I have this ready to go. I was jotting down names to move up. Nice. Outside the top 300, he said? Yeah, I was doing that during our 15-team mock yesterday. So I think these are all outside the top 300. They're at least borderline. CJ Crone of the Rockies. Looks like the favorite to win a job there. and I think batting average may actually be boosted at Coors Field more than the power, but both could be. Ty France of the Mariners. He's looked awesome this spring. Nico Horner, I already mentioned him earlier, of the Cubs. Um, uh, A couple guys who I, I don't even have ranked yet and I need to get them in there. Josh Rojas of the Diamondbacks has been tearing it up this spring and he's a guy who a couple years ago had amazing numbers in the minors. Looked like a total stud coming over in the Zach Granke trade from Houston. Uh, he's been playing a lot of shortstop. He could end up getting the majority of the playing time at second base. So Josh Rojas is moving up for me. Jaron Duran... Jaron Duran. I think that's how you say it, right? I think it's Duran. Duran, Jaron Duran of the Red Sox, who a speedster and a contact hitter in the minors, but looks like he's starting to add power and will be taking over in the Red Sox outfield at some point this season. So he needs to move up. Uh, Michael Taylor of the Royals now, formerly of the Nationals. He's they're going to be their starting center fielder. He has 2020 potential and strikeouts have held him back in the past, but he made a change to his stance, eliminated a leg kick. It's a lot more under control and that could help him unlock his potential. So he's somebody I'm beginning to look at in those deeper leagues as well.
0: That's a good enough list for me. We're going to wrap there. For Scott, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. You won't hear us tomorrow. Tomorrow you will hear... Danny Vietti and Will Middlebrooks. They are doing a National League Central preview, and they also have Rob Friedman, a.k.a. The Pitching Ninja, coming on the podcast as well. big get. Very nice. Uh, But we will be back on Monday. Bye-bye.
1: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.